And hey there, hi there, ho there, and a gracious good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast, where we discuss the joy and excitement of U of L women's athletics and certainly some very exciting things that took place so far this week, with more exciting things to come on Sunday. We've got the, uh, a little smaller crew than normal in here today with uh, Jeff up in India. Kind of replacing case and going to race car watching as he's up at the indianapolis 500 for a motorized event and daryl with a previous commitment won't join us but we're coming in strong with the three musketeers case hoskins jared anderson and me paulie so we hope to bring you a good show and let's hope an hour can cover it all right because we got a lot to talk about today guys as we like to do and like to start out a little bit, kind of catch up with the guys a little bit. Uh, I'm going to rename Case Hopkins or Case Hoskins Captain Many Hands for all the work that he had to do this morning. Not only did he write the Cardinal Couple Saturday article, but he's also engineering things today and will also do scheduling and Twitter. And if he's got a spare moment, uh, our garbage can needs empty in case if you could run that here and kind of take care of that maybe <laughs> yeah i've been patiently waiting for our garbage company to just steal ours one day because they do that to just replace your can and they don't give you any warning whatsoever it's just one day you get your garbage picked up and then uh it's it's not there so i've been waiting for the same thing um after this one has developed a, a bit of a scent and i don't feel like getting down into it so we actually had that happen on one of our one of my properties out in Valley Station, where uh, I have a tenant out there who lives out there, and he said, "Hey, my garbage can's gone," and I'm like, uh, "Did you uh, leave it out on the street?" Yeah, and I went to go get it, and it was gone. And I'm like, "Okay," so I called the company and they took care of it. But they also informed me that there are people who steal those and then take them out to rural areas and use them on farms huh. and resell them to farmers and such. So uh, kind of a shady side of garbage collection, I suppose, sir, but uh, it, that does exist. Yeah, I don't think that the... Uh, surely they aren't too worried about the garbage can fraud game of you just selling your own garbage can and then telling them that it was stolen so you can get a new one. <laughs> Well, you see, I found this under this tree, and uh, I thought you'd like it for 40 bucks, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah. But there's a, and a busy week for you as well, as you've got the, with, with the oncoming range and everything, it's a good time to get the roof fixed, and you've got an insurance adjuster coming out to take a look at that as, as well, sir, right? Yeah, hopefully. Um, we'll see if my uh, work parking pass, I'm working downtown now, we'll see if that works, uh, and whether I'm able to go into the office and then uh, leave again. Uh, but if it's still, uh, I have to call them from the help button every time I want to go in or out of the garage, then I may not be able to make that work. But, yep, a little roof leak, nothing too major. It's not coming into the actual living space, but it is making a little spot on the ceiling. So, inconvenient and uh, original roof aged out pretty poorly. So, it is what it is. Got to take care of them, got to catch them early, sir. Jared Anderson, also a very busy man today, is who he out taking photography at the football game today. As the cards go up against uh, Boston College. I think the cards are actually a five-point favorite to win this thing. Shock, sit down, T 
take a deep breath, but uh, given the way the cardiac cards have played lately in football, that's kind of with a quotation marks around the five-point favorite. But uh, should be fun, Jared, and then you've got a big week, uh, Saturday and Sunday planned as well in addition to that, right? Yeah, it's just been an all-around busy weekend so far with volleyball and men's soccer last night, uh, grad photos for someone last night, football today, some lacrosse scrimmage tomorrow morning, volleyball tomorrow morning against Pitt, and then uh, someone in town wanting some couples fall photos. So it's, I mean, I'm pretty much glued to my camera this weekend. That's pretty good. And Jared, was that, of course, you mentioned that volleyball last night and, and joined the swim team in the second setup there when they did their annual strip tease event where they come in dressed like it's 10 below and then end up with just their speedos on. Jared forgot his speedo was standing there in his tidy whities and his camera, but uh, still was <laughs> pretty popular stuff, buddy. I got to give you credit for that. Huh? <laughs> I don't think anybody would want me up there with them, but I think the high school volleyball team that came out to the match last night and was a section over for the swim team was uh, certainly an all with their eyes glued on to the swim team by the end of that second set. Yeah, them swimmers are in pretty good shape there, you know. I think Virginia Tech may have been a little shocked by it, too. Their, their team was kind of looking over there going, oh, holy cow, look at that. Uh, who serves it? What? You want me to set the ball? I'm busy watching that guy up there in the balcony. Anyway, so good stuff there. As uh, it's, That's a fun event each year, too. And uh, certainly I, I was not there. I was watching it uh, via linear communications on my laptop and was kind of surprised guys that uh, Sean Moth was not on the play-by-play but the very capable Nick Curran our basketball guru and PA and, and uh, radio announcer filled in admirably for Sean and then Penny, Penny Norton was on there also that's all I'll say about that yeah poor, poor Sean had to instead watch his beloved Colorado State Rams completely flubbed the end of a of the game with a rushed field goal that missed to lose. Yeah, kind of kind of tragic for them out there, but uh, usually a pretty good football program out of Colorado State in past years. And Sean, of course, being from that area, was brought in by Tom George from that very university out there. Or was it or was it Northern Colorado? Where they brought Sean in. From I could never there. remember. And uh, he's has been admirable for us now, even though he's no longer doing PA work. He's certainly a man who does a great job calling a baseball game. If you've ever listened to him on the radio, it is an education in broadcasting as well as the sport of baseball. If you ever listen to him call a Louisville baseball squad game, fantastic work by him. As for me, uh, a busy week, just trying to keep up with the Cardinal activities and stuff. A lot of stuff has come down the pike. Anywhere from events to contract extensions and such and everything else in between. And in addition, a couple of doctor's visits as well. So, uh, but we're hanging in here. We're with you this morning and fired up to get it rolling. And as we usually like to continue on with the broadcast podcast, we go to Case Hoskins now for scheduling and Twitter information, sir. Yeah, so the schedule is still pretty full. Uh, it's going to get a little thin as we roll into November, uh, just as some of the fall sports wrap up and before basketball gets going. But for now, it's still full speed ahead. So today, women's tennis is continuing in regionals, NCAA regionals in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, football returns from their bye week 
taking on Boston College at 4 p.m. That one's on the ACC Network uh, and is at home. Women's Tennis Regionals continue through Monday, uh, so that's going on tomorrow as well. The, the big match tomorrow, uh, we've alluded to it a lot, volleyball versus Pittsburgh, number two versus number four. That one is at noon, uh, a home match in Ellenden Federal Credit Union Arena. It's been sold out for a couple of months, so... Uh, Good luck if you can find somebody who, who might have a spare ticket. We might have an in for you, if so if you're looking to go. Uh, maybe, maybe. But that one will be on uh, the true ACC network, uh, the linear channel, not just streaming. And again, that one is at noon. Field hockey is taking on James Madison, uh, another top 25 team. I think that almost every team they've played this season was ranked uh, at some point or when they played. That one is also at noon. It is available uh, on Flow Sports, so if you've got a Flow Sports account, you can watch that. And if not, uh, probably just follow along on Stat Broadcast to keep up with that one. Um, Louisville coming off a big win that we'll talk about over UNC, uh, looking to maintain some national momentum, even though this one won't matter for anything in conference. Hey, hey I just wanted to add, too, if uh, if you're not a Stat Broadcast aficionado, make sure and set check out the Twitter area on our website over on the right hand side of the site because i'll usually tweet out scores and updates on uh, live events that i'm able to uh, keep up with so uh, if you want to follow my twitter account which which case we'll get into in just a second or you can check out the twitter on the right hand side of the site sir yes definitely yeah and uh paul will keep you on your toes guessing which sport he's trying to cover <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did have a brief brain fart yesterday when I, when I was doing it. It was, it was the Thursday. The, the days are running together on me here. When I mistakenly had Louisville volleyball and Louisville women's basketball losing to <laughs> Virginia when it was actually women's soccer. But, uh, you know, fat fingers is what I attribute that to. <laughs> My favorite is when uh, multiple teams play or, yeah, multiple sports play against the same team, and then you just tweet about Louisville versus whoever, and uh, it's not clear what, <laughs> like what's going on. So, If you can't figure it out by the score, then you don't need to be a Cardinal. No, <laughs> if it's 14 to 7 case, there's a good chance it's probably not field hockey, okay? I mean, it could be. It would be well, wild. With, with many mink playing, it could be. Unless North Northeastern's decided to come in for more punishment, you know, and the cards have gone to the stands and collected people to play the second half. I was going to say, they're going to need some help to score the seventh. <laughs> got, got, a little, got a lot of good alumni to visit those games, though, so that's possible. Uh, women's soccer, then, is taking on Clemson. That one is in Clemson, South Carolina at 1 p.m. It'll be on ACC Network Extra. Uh, Louisville looking to snap a skid as their season winds down. Um, I think officially, but I haven't I haven't done the math yet. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, like I said, women's tennis continues through Monday. Women's golf goes to the club at Old Stone for the intercollegiate, uh, hosted by I assume Western Kentucky because that one's in Bowling Green. That's a two-day event, Monday and Tuesday. Men's golf also competing in a two-day event Monday and Tuesday that they are hosting in Wilmington, North Carolina, the Williams Cup. Um, not sure if they're actually hosting or if that's just a little graphical mix-up by the schedule here. But 
those both going on Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, everyone is off. Thursday, women's soccer. Senior day versus Duke. Like I said, almost assuredly, that will be the last game of the season, unfortunately, for women's soccer. And that one is at 5 p.m. in Lynn. Dr. Mark and Lynn. Mark and Cindy Lynn Stadium. Not Lynn Family Stadium. <sighs> that's bound to catch us eventually. The one on Floyd Street. Yeah, the one on the Floyd one, Street. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, go to uh, Cardinal Stadium and, and just cross the street. <laughs> Can't miss it. Uh, that one is not listed as a video yet, but it will almost assuredly be ACC Network Extra. Again, that one starts at 5 p.m. Senior Day festivities uh, will be before it, I believe. Um, so Senior Day festivities starting at 4.30. You'll have a mix of five-year seniors, four-year seniors maybe, and six-year seniors <laughs> in this one. On Friday, Women's Tennis is hosting the Louisville Tennis Classic. Since that's after the regionals, I believe that's the beginning of the indoor season. Uh, but don't hold me to that at all. Cross country then begins the ACC championships. Those are in South Bend, Indiana, not Notre Dame, Indiana, as Pittsburgh would have you, have you believe. Field hockey with their final regular season match of the season taking on Syracuse. That's senior day for Louisville and a battle for the ACC regular season tournament, or ACC regular season title. That one is at 3 p.m. on Friday. Then men's soccer heads out to Clemson at 7 p.m. on ACC Network. And men's basketball with their first exhibition match of the season, taking, well, first official exhibition match of the season, taking on Kentucky State at 7 p.m. in the KFC Yum Center on ACC Network Extra. That gets us through the schedule uh, a little bit more on Friday, but we or on Saturday, but we can carry that over next week as we get into the Halloween weekend. Then, as for Twitter, like Polly mentioned, you can follow him at Cardinal Couple for any sports that you're not able to watch or not able to keep up with the stats yourself. Uh, you can you can follow him. He's usually covering all of them at one time with many screens open at once. I tweet is at Best Case Scenario. That's B S T Case Scenario. Jared is at Mr. Anderson Jared. Jeff is at Jeff McAdams and at Card Couple Radio. Uh, Card Couple Radio usually for sports except for volleyball because he's too busy cheering and getting on TV to cheer. But uh, if you follow that Jeff McAdams account, you might see a little bit about some cars driving themselves around a giant oval today. And Daryl tweets us at Daryl Faust 4. As always, like, like Polly mentioned, check out the right side of the Cardinal Couple website for our Twitter widget that includes uh, all of our Twitter accounts as well as some associated U of L women's athletics Twitter accounts, and that it will do indeed, it. Yeah. And and very well done, sir. That uh, driverless racing has me rather intrigued, and it reminds me of the old slot car racing. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember that or not, but there used to be places in town where you could take these cars that ran on tracks that had slots in them. I had a had slot a, car track. There you go. You had a little push button control to accelerate or decelerate your vehicle, and those were a lot of fun. Uh, there were actually places in town where you could pay a fee, I think it was for an hour or something, take your car in there, get on one of the tracks they had, and race other people or just take your car around for test laps. 
So did you have to bring your own car? Oh, yeah, yeah. They didn't have rental cars? No, they didn't. The place I went to, which was in J-Town, did not have rental cars. Wow. You, you had your own car, and you went in there and did it now. Maybe as that went on. I don't think it's a phenomenon anymore. I don't think there's any of those open, but I could be wrong. But, uh, yeah, you, you had a car that you had either built or purchased and then kind of just found out what lane you were in and paid the guy your money and then set your car in the slot and hooked your plugged in your control button and you're off to the races. So that was a, so, something I had fun with as a child. I especially like to have wrecks. <laughs> well, those fun. those tracks were always designed to create a little bit more excitement. They almost always had the, for a couple of reasons. One, like the running racing track effect where the outside car or the outside lane will always be slower, uh, but also to incite a little chaos. They had a bunch of kind of figure eight crossover sections where you change lanes. Yes, they did, sir. <laughs> and sometimes with ill effects in doing that, that the... Uh, if you're losing, you just time yourself to, to take out the competition. As I told my driving instructor, I've been practicing on slot cars for three years now. I can do anything. <laughs> and he said, did you ever parallel park one of those? And I said, no, sir, I did not. Anyway, but uh, so, yeah, a lot of stuff that has gone on this week so far. So let's go ahead and jump right on into it. Uh, Jared, let's, let's kind of start here a little bit with women's soccer. The cards were down in Charlottesville, Virginia, on Thursday night, facing the number two in the nation, Virginia Cavaliers. Unfortunately, uh, Louisville went into this thing thinking that they needed to get off to a big start, a fast start, to be competitive with the Cavs, but uh, that just didn't happen, did it? Yeah. <clears throat> well, excuse me. I was a. Uh... <clears throat> A rough one there, and pretty much at this point knocked the cards out of any postseason contention at all. They're six points behind the sixth place team, which is actually Wake Forest and Clemson, uh, which would require two wins to finish out the year to get to 15. One of those is against Clemson. Probably not going to happen. The other one against Duke, who's also up there. Uh, it was just another rough performance for the cards. Uh, First playing in the ACC is always difficult. You go against a lot of top programs, and you saw that Thursday with Virginia and the way that they mirror a lot of these other teams we've faced so far, like Florida State and Notre Dame, and they just have this really powerful, strong offense that comes at you for a full 90 minutes, and there's not much you can really do about it unless if you can uh, get something on transition and score a couple times. And unfortunately, by the time the cards got on the board, they were already down uh, – 2-0 prior to that, and then Virginia responded with two more goals after, so it was a tough one. Virginia Case is a team that likes to go fast and kick often, and they earned a goal in the first 90 seconds of play Thursday against Louisville. Shoot, they, they had six shots on goal in the first 15 minutes and had 25 shot attempts on the night. Gabby Cazales was a was busy as a traffic cop in downtown Louisville and Russia. I mean, you know, she was just all over the place with eight saves, but uh, certainly a case of where Virginia came in with a clear mandate in mind to preserve their number two ranking and look good doing it. Yeah, Virginia's been one of those teams that since Louisville's joined the ACC, they've just had a ton of trouble with. Um, ACC has some really good women's soccer teams, uh, defending national champion Florida State. 
Virginia, North Carolina. Um, Louisville has not really been able to crack the eggs that are Virginia and Florida State since joining the league. They did get a win over then number one North Carolina a few years ago. Um, but they've got some work to do to be able to compete regularly with these top teams. Um, I've mentioned it a ton of times. I know it kind of sounds like a broken record, but the emphasis on the building of the soccer community in Louisville and the existence of uh, Louisville City and Racing Louisville should, should, with a with a big asterisk, help Louisville in the recruiting game, uh, you would think, as well as uh, providing some development of younger talent in the Racing Academy and the like, uh, but that just has not come to fruition yet. It's still quite early. Uh, Louisville's going to have to take advantage of that if they're going to compete with with a lot of these teams. Um, and like you said, Virginia is just, uh, they're just a fast team. They get out fast. They, they're strong. They've won four straight now, um, after dropping, uh, their only loss of the season. They're 14, one and one, um, just behind Florida state in overall standings who are at 14, oh, and one. So, uh, yeah, Louisville had a, a tough match ahead and we're not able to come out with, with any shockers unfortunate for the cards indeed uh, after that first goal uh, the Cavaliers did add a second goal in the first half to hold that 2 nothing halftime lead the cards with a brief flash of brilliance were able to cut that lead to 2-1 to one after the half Julia Simon knocking in a very very nice shot getting set up by Emma Hiscock for a goal in about the 70th minute of play or so but all that did is ruffle Virginia Tech, or Virginia's feathers a little bit. They responded to that goal with a goal of their own about a minute later and then tapped on one uh, in the 80th minute for the 4-1 win. So uh, let's let's look at a couple things. First of all, Louisville didn't record a single corner in this match. And that's something that kind of uh, was, you know, head puzzling, head scratching like, huh? We can't get any corners there. What's going on? But, Jared, let, let's look at this team. This is a young team. There is the hope and promise of a lot of talent in these freshmen and sophomores. But right now, they're just kind of, uh, you know, learning the tough way right now that they've got to step up their game just a little bit for them to uh, be a competitive ACC contender each year. A lot of them are still just at the point of, learning how to become consistent and not dropping off and disappearing for a two or three game stretch at a time and then reappearing like, Hey, here I am. You need to be able to go out there and just be a, a big force on the field, whatever your assignment is day in and day out every game. And you can't be taking days off when you're in conference play. And it kind of feels like at times that may have happened. As well as I think a lot of the players just really need to mesh and spend more time playing together, get a feel for each other, their uh, kind of their style of play, and be able to anticipate where their teammates are going to be on the field. So we don't have that extra hesitation to look where we're passing. You should be able to just pass the ball and trust that your teammates going to be there. And you see that with a lot of your better teams that you face, and that's how they move the ball down the field so quickly in transition and and catch off guard is. You trust your teammates going to be in the spot they should be at. So when you pass it over there, you know they're they're already there, and we haven't gotten to that point yet. 
Cars will certainly have some work to do on that, but uh, you you have to be slightly encouraged. I think by the way the season started against some non-conference foes, we did show that we've got some scores on this team. It's just that they haven't been uh, present lately, so to speak. But uh, the Cards will head to Clemson to take on the Tigers on Sunday. A, a Clemson team that has been off and on in, in soccer. Uh, they are going to be a threat for Louisville, and certainly after that one, then the Cards will come home to finish out against Duke, another very, very good team in the ACC. So uh, let's hope that they can maybe pull both of these out. I'm going to be happy with one out of the two, maybe. But certainly let's hope that they can uh, generate some offense and score some goals, guys. I think that's what they need to do right now. Yeah, Louisville's like we mentioned. Season is, I it's not technically over yet. They're not fully eliminated from from that sixth spot, but it's going to be tough. They get the opportunity to take one off of Clemson uh, to prevent them from getting too far ahead, uh, and they have to win, like we mentioned, both of them to get on to fifteen points. Uh, but Clemson's next match after Louisville is against Boston College, who is. Um, at the bottom of the league, or near the bottom of it. Wake Forest has Pittsburgh and Notre Dame remaining. Uh, Louisville will need, if Clemson can beat Boston College, obviously, Louisville would need Wake to lose uh, both of those games <laughs> in order for Louisville to potentially get a tiebreaker uh, over the Demon Deacons to get in. Neither of those very likely, uh, and it's just it's tough to look back on the missed opportunities that Louisville had uh, they could be one of those teams on 15 points with an opportunity to to beat one of their rivals in Clemson uh, to go to 18 and be in the tournament almost assuredly. If you look at a loss that they had to Boston College, Boston College's only win of the season in conference, uh, and then NC State, who shocked everybody by beating Duke uh, and then came in and beat Louisville, but um, since then they have not done much. They still just sit on nine points in the conference. Uh, tied with Louisville at three and five in conference play, so two big opportunities that Louisville missed to put themselves in control of their own destiny, and now they're on the outside looking in, hoping for other results to go their way. We certainly wish our soccer women's soccer team the best in these next two, and hopefully they can get it back going again and pull a couple out here. But let's go ahead and, and leave. Charlottesville, Virginia, and then head south to scenic Wake Forest. That's right. We're going to go to Wake Forest. Or excuse me. Go through Wake Forest. (laughs) We're going to go through Wake Forest to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Why are we going to Chapel Hill, North Carolina? Because that is where the Louisville Field Hockey Squad was yesterday afternoon taking their number four ranking in to face number 10, North Carolina, in a ACC matchup. The Cards uh, were looking to stay undefeated in ACC play, and thanks to Amy Plum, they were able to do that, Jared. Yeah, a solid win going down to North Carolina, which is a place that North Carolina historically under Karen Shelton just doesn't lose, and they've lost back-to-back home games for the first time I think in under Karen Shelton's tenure if I heard correctly Uh, but a lot of that going down there playing at North Carolina it's it's the mentality thing 
you go down there and you just hear about how good they are at home and in the past where you've consistently lost to them at home. So being able to break out of that mentality and get that win is a huge step for them going forward. Uh, even in future years, knowing that it's possible, it can be done. Uh, as well as it's just to help, it helps continue the momentum that you've got going on right now with a, another win streak that you really needed after the losses to Iowa and Michigan. Uh, and then also with Syracuse getting their loss yesterday to Virginia, it's a big step for the Cards, who can at least uh, share the conference title with Syracuse after next Friday at worst, or can just win it outright with a win. Field hockey did go down North Carolina. It was a, a tough battle getting the 3-2 win and a sudden death golden goal overtime. Uh, North Carolina started off uh, the the second half there in the third quarter with an early goal, and you've all responded pretty quickly less than 10 minutes later, Amy Plum getting a goal off of a penalty stroke. Don't see a lot of penalty strokes in uh, during regulation unless if there's an odd foul. Uh, so she was able to take one there. Uh, Cards got a second one, get up on the board off of a penalty corner, which is a lot more common. Uh, that one was tossed in, and, and Maddie Tabor found the rebound off the initial shot to knock it in. And just a few minutes later, right before the end of regulation, North Carolina was able to tie it up. Uh, I think theirs was also off a of penalty corner. Another and rebounded then, penalty corner, just like Louisville's, yeah. So then we cut it over to overtime, where field hockey will shorten their rosters seven on seven. So it really does open up the field of play, and you have to change your style of play quite a bit because you can't give up any type of fast breaks because you don't have somebody behind you to help save the day. Uh, and it was only a few seconds remaining in the first overtime period, I believe five seconds officially when Amy Plum was able to pull off her second goal of the match to get the game winner, her sixth of the year. So that was certainly a huge opportunity for them as the cards in terms of overtime play have remained undefeated at this point. I think they've now improved to 4-0 off overtime slash double overtime matches. Yeah, that's 5-0 and now. Or 5-0, and whoo. Yeah, they were four zero coming into this one. Um, like you mentioned, that that goal by Amy Plum actually, their two goals of the five were against the run of play. Uh, North Carolina's first was an awkward deflection uh, right in front of the right in front of the cage that just kind of found its way to uh, a North Carolina player who was wide open at that point, uh, and then Amy Plum who was unassisted and just carried it into the carried it into the circle with nobody there to stop her and, and hammered it home. Uh, the penalty stroke uh, for her first goal, I think, came from an illegal block uh, on that first one because she had a shot or someone had a shot just before that that was uh, marked as blocked. So I believe that was an illegal block um, that went to the penalty stroke. And then, like you mentioned, it, it looked like Louisville was going to kind of coast to the finish once they got that second goal to go up 2-1. to one, But uh, UNC gambled. They pulled their goalkeeper right after Louisville went up 2-1. to one. So really early goalkeeper pulled with seven minutes remaining in the match. Uh, but it paid off because they were able to hold Louisville's offense at bay. Louisville couldn't penetrate with the additional field player there. Uh, and then they were able to, like you said, get a corner, um, get a rebound from theirs, just like Louisville got, and, and tie it back up before they went into overtime. So... Five and zero in overtime. Louisville's really stepped up to the pressure this season. Uh, the two losses, like we've mentioned a couple of times, 
so far this season are just to the teams that are ranked number one and two in the country. Um, so Louisville gets away with a big one here. I think that North Carolina is always going to be a tough team. Uh, Louisville caught what was a pretty big break with uh, Aaron Matson being out of this one with a hand injury. Um, I don't think that this game goes into the half tied at zero <laughs> if Aaron Matson is playing. Now, whether North Carolina would be winning or not, uh, it's still tough to say, but I, I don't think that neither team would have been able to convert on all their corners that they had in the first half if, if the leading scorer in the nation was on the field. But uh, North Carolina was playing for their kind of season uh, yesterday. and They're still ranked 10th in the country. They're likely to make the NCAA tournament still. Uh, but if they could have beaten Louisville yesterday, then they would have had an opportunity uh, to still be in the mix for that number one seed in the ACC tournament. Surprisingly, after a, a, a nine and five, would they would have been ten and five uh, at that point? So uh, definitely not the North Carolina team that we're used to seeing, or the season we're used to seeing them have. But uh, Louisville was able to to come away with a tough win, like you mentioned. Um, North Carolina just two back to back losses at home for the first time in ages. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna see that happen again under. Karen Shelton's tenure I could be wrong but just the way she's built that program and such a dominant powerhouse and and threat all these years and sometimes you just have those down seasons which I mean you can't even call a, a nine and six record uh, against mostly ranked opponents as well as being a top 10 ranked team right now a, a down season most schools would look at that and be like no we'll, we'll take that in, in a year uh, but for North Carolina whose expectations and standards are so high that's certainly uh, different for them, but it dif- it helped open up the door in the ACC a little bit to see some other teams possibly take the ACC title, uh, and, which in this case, uh, it's a wide open door for the Cards. Their only losses are to number one and number two in the country, so I think that just shows how great this Louisville team is and maybe how much we underestimated them prior to the start of the year. Yeah, and, and North Carolina's in no position to drop off, I don't think, after this season. Um, Aaron Matson is listed as a senior, but she was not honored yesterday in senior day, so that implies that she will be returning. So uh, she'll still be around to menace the cards for however many games that they'll play, uh, both for the rest of this season. I uh, feel pretty confident that Louisville and North Carolina are somehow going to find themselves playing again in the ACC tournament um, within the next season and beyond. And like you mentioned, uh, a great opportunity for Louisville. They now control their own destiny with uh a guarantee control their own destiny for the number one seed and like you mentioned a guaranteed uh, share of the ACC regular season title with Syracuse's loss yesterday um I had to feel like Syracuse was in Louisville's head going into the fourth quarter um with the cards you know they they didn't know what stood for them uh, if they were to lose this game, were they going to be going into an undefeated Syracuse and, and having to play against them and, and need to win to share that title uh, and get a chance at the, the number one seed? Um, so, so that definitely had to stand out to them, but they showed a lot of resilience on the road against a really good North Carolina team on senior day. Uh, traditional powerhouse. 
to come back and, and be down in the fourth quarter and, and win that match. And then to stand up again after the tie and, and be able to win in overtime. So a great showing for this field hockey team. And they get James Madison next. James Madison is ranked 25th in the country. That is going to be a trap game for the Cards. You're coming off a big win at a, a tough North Carolina team. You're still kind of riding the high off that win, and you're already looking forward to Syracuse because you know that's, that's going to be the deciding factor for the ACC. But James Madison is not a team to overlook. As you mentioned, they were ranked 25, and they've had a great year, and you're playing at James Madison on what I believe is their senior day as well, so they're going to come in with a lot of emotion, a lot of energy. So you cannot look past this one at all because this could – a loss would potentially cost you one of those top four seeds in the NCAA tournament, which a lot of those early seeds to get that first round by, and you don't want to risk losing that by. Yeah, like you mentioned, James Madison, um, in a good spot. They are, uh, I believe, looks like they have locked up the Colonial regular season title, uh, and they've also locked up the number one seed in the Colonial tournament. Uh, it looks like because they have a win over Delaware and uh, with just a, a match against William and Mary remaining, uh, Delaware can only tie uh, for the number one or for the regular season title. Uh, so James Madison will be number one seed in the Colonial Tournament. Uh, they are 10-5 and five on the season, 5-0 um, oh in conference. Obviously, uh, their losses are to... Uh, Old Dominion, who is currently ranked 18th, <laughs> Wake Forest, Duke, uh, Maryland, and I feel like I missed one. Oh, they've got a loss at Appalachian State. So that one stands out as sore. Um, but Old Dominion, Wake Forest, Duke, and Maryland, uh, hardly teams that you can blame them for losing to. So like you mentioned, that's their senior day. Uh, they're hosting the number four team they've had. A lot of opportunities against ranked teams. This would be a, a massive one for them to try and, you know, get some kind of a bolster for their record to head into the potential NCAA tournament. So, uh, like you mentioned, this is definitely a trap game for Louisville, and, and they've got to be focused on the task at hand. They can't look ahead too much to to that Syracuse matchup, uh, knowing how important it is. It's still five days away, so got to buckle down. Um, play this match as it is and and escape <laughs> uh, another tough non-power team um, in field hockey like they've had to do a couple of times so far this season. So uh, as we move on from field hockey, once again, that one is at noon tomorrow. If you want to watch on Flow Sports, you can do that or follow along on Twitter or Stat Broadcast. Uh, Lopez taking on number 25, James Madison. Okay, uh, we're back with you after some technical difficulties on my end, and I do apologize for that. Uh, a little power surge out here in my humble abode, which knocked out everything, including the coffee maker. So, you know, wow. Uh, interesting. I've never had to actually had that happen on the podcast before, guys. It was weird. Yeah, it's definitely uh, unfortunate. And... But it's a first for Cardinal <laughs> Couple Radio Hour Podcasts. So it is. It is. From what I understand, the field hockey has been covered and talked about, and they're very, very good for the field hockey team. They should be able to, as you probably already mentioned, be able to hold on to that number four ranking with no problems whatsoever. 
and uh, headed to James Madison for Sunday action. Let's come back home, shall we? Let's go to Floyd Street and let's go to the LNFCU for last night. Number two, Louisville Volleyball brought in the Cavaliers of Virginia for what Case kind of aptly called a final tune-up for Pittsburgh. It was an ACC contest, by the way, but still, the Virginia squad came in here, uh, hadn't been having the best of luck lately. I don't think they had, they won but one ACC match, one and seven, eight and ten overall. You would hope that Louisville would be primed and ready to roll and ready to go out and put it to the Cavs, so to speak. Our own Jaron Anderson was there taking photos, hobnobbing with people. They pretty much did that, didn't they, sir? Yeah, it's one of those sometimes, uh, especially before a, a big match coming up, if you can go in and take care of business about as quick as possible and as easy as possible, it, it gives your uh, your team a little more time to rest and just prepare, uh, you know, re- refuel, look at a little more game plan and film before Sunday's match. And that, that's what they did. They cruised along really easy uh, victory against a underwhelming Virginia team the way their season has been going this year. Virginia started off the first set with a a 3-1 lead, and after that, Louisville was just kind of like, eh, no, we're not going to play this game today. And they just went on a massive rally, massive run to blow open the door in the first set, and after that, they never looked back the rest of the way. Case Hoskins had the write-up on this today in today's Cardinal Cup article and did a fine job on it. So, so Case... The first set of the cards came out, yeah, we're down 42, you know, uh, come back and take a 6-4 lead. But actually, in, in any of these three sets, Louisville was never seriously in danger at all, were they? No, uh, like you mentioned, they trailed 4-2 in that first one. Uh, they went on a 14-2 run after that. Uh, and 4-2 was the uh, largest deficit that Louisville would face for the entire match. Uh, they never trailed by more than one for the rest of the match. Uh, and the latest lead that Virginia held in any set uh, was uh, at four points. They led four to two, uh, like you said, like we said in the first set, and then four to three they led in the third set. The latest they were in touch with Louisville, the latest they tied uh, was seven points in the third set. So Louisville never really in danger in this one. Uh, shook off a little bit of a little bit of bumps in the road at the very beginning there, and then just kind of took off and ran away with it Virginia with plenty of unforced errors uh, if you take blocks out of this one they had 14 unforced errors uh, Louisville had just four so Louisville definitely uh, really crisp uh, hitting 448 on the match and hitting 609 in that third set so uh, fantastic offensively for Louisville really hitting their marks uh, not letting Virginia's block uh, affect them really uh when, Louis, when Virginia was able to get some, they ended up with five. Uh, when they were able to do it, Louisville just kind of moved on with their lives and, and carried on and and didn't let that affect them going forward. So uh, cards with, like you mentioned, a, a great tune-up. Uh, they did pretty much the best-case scenario for them Friday night. Uh, they wrapped up Virginia with no real effort, um, no real concerns, knocked them out in, in three clean sets, uh, for for a sweep, while on the other hand, Pittsburgh headed up to Notre Dame uh, or Notre Dame, Indiana, as the schedule would have you <laughs> believe, not South Bend. 
Is that a fictional city there? I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you, but uh, they went two hours and 20 minutes uh, in a five-set match, so a really tough battle for them. And then they have to travel to come down to Louisville, so uh, rest advantage will definitely go to Louisville, but they they can't sit back and, and just depend on that to help them out too much in this one. Uh, but it, it will be a benefit for sure. Yeah, I was able to actually jump over on ACC Network Extra and watch the end of that one after the Louisville match. And uh, that was exciting volleyball there. Uh, fear the pit, though, guys, because they got three or four frontline hitters that they can kind of interchange and they all come in and have some serious bang power. But uh, as for the car jet, 25-15, 25-13, and finishing up 25-16. We expect this Louisville offense, Jared, to be well distributed most of the time. That was certainly the case last night. Uh, Anna DeBeer, nine kills. Amaya Tillman, nine kills. Anna Stevenson, seven kills. And hit over 500 on double-digits attempts. That's pretty amazing. Eiko Jones, seven kills. The cards have so many weapons that they can come at somebody with. It's got to be very tough for an opposing coach to say, Okay, if we stop this girl, well, no, wait a second. We have to stop this girl. Wait. Uh, and, and plus, they also got Atlanta Scott back, too. Yeah, it was good to see her back out there, as we later found out. was not a leg injury that kept her out Sunday, but it was a back injury from a previous incident in high school that kind of pops up here and there. And as a libero and you're laying out on the floor, you're going to aggravate your back every once in a while. So that was... We'll account that one set that we lost last week to Atlanta Scott being out because that seemed to be the only difference that we had. Uh, but everybody was out there happy, healthy, energized. Uh, Co- Coach was able to rotate a few other players in there, especially later on in the, the match. I think maybe just one to get them some playing time, let them play late in the season. But also if you want to rest your starters as much to get them ready to go for Sunday, uh, it's certainly a good way to go. So get UVL should be well-rested, and Pitt's coming off, as Case mentioned, that long, extended five-setter that hopefully will keep them from being as energized and ready to go as as you normally expect. So if we can kind of get them on the run early on Sunday, wear them down quickly, it would play to our advantage. And, and as we've come to expect in the LNFCU, it was a wild, it was a loud, it was a raucous kind of atmosphere, and it was the annual appearance of the Louisville swim team to come in and disrobe in the second set for the appreciative eyes of the crowd out there. Uh, it was just a party atmosphere from what I could tell watching it online. And then everybody seemed to be having a great time. Our own Jeff McAdams was down there leading cheers after the Virginia timeouts. And he even got some uh, linear time on the internet as they showed him doing the cards cheer once during the broadcast. Certainly nice. I think we're going to have to sell advertising on Jeff's back, okay? When he, <laughs> when he runs down there and turns around, we could probably sell some nice advertising if we get to get it on the back of his shirt. You know, kind of like, eat at Joe's Diner. Good stuff. Or something like that, maybe. You know, we'll get something going there. But, uh, yeah, you know, Jared, you were out there. You, you saw a lot of it. But the case, that's out of the way now, Okay. We came in. We did what we expected to do to Virginia. It's over. It's done with. 
Now comes the one that D1 Volleyball has been waiting for a long time when number four pit comes to the town, sir. Yeah, and like you mentioned, uh, Louisville got to run some other people out uh, in last night's match just to get them kind of tuned back up. It was good to get uh, Scott back in this one and not in the Pittsburgh match, uh, get her back to to full playing capacity. And Nana Mbanu was back after she was wearing a boot in the last couple of matches. Uh, but yeah, the match against Pitt is here. <laughs> and like I wrote about in this week and I, I think last week's articles, this is just the beginning uh, for Louisville Volleyball. They're... Remaining schedule is quite tough. Uh, they, this is one of two uh, against Pittsburgh. They've still got two against Duke. They've got both of the matches against Notre Dame. They still played Georgia Tech again, who was ranked at one point. Uh, and then the rest of that schedule is road matches against North Carolina State and North Carolina. So uh, Louisville's schedule is backloaded this season. Uh, and they've got a lot of work to do to um, continue to prove how legit they are. Uh, I don't think that many people should be doubting them with the number of ranked wins that they have, the number of sweeps that they have this season. Um, they've been taking care of business, but now they're going to have to prove it basically night in and night out uh, for the rest of the season. And it starts on Sunday. Pittsburgh, number four. Uh, they've lost just the one match this season. That one was against, uh, previously mentioned, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yep. who was ranked 18th at the time. So, you know, it, it's a big one. Um, other than that match, Pittsburgh has uh, a ton of sweeps as well. They've got some big ranked wins. They've beaten uh, Rice, Washington State, Baylor so far this season. Um, not some of the marquee names that Louisville has necessarily, but uh, Louisville and Pittsburgh have had quite a battle at the top of the ACC for the last few years, and this is just going to be the continuation of that one. Um, Panthers are going to be coming in looking to uh, claw one back from Louisville uh, to, to draw back even at the top of the standings uh, with that match at the end of the season uh, likely to be um, the one for all the marbles, <laughs> as it yeah, were. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's going to be uh, Pittsburgh's last regular season match of the season uh, on November 24th against Louisville. Uh, the Cards will then play just two days later against Notre Dame, so tough turnaround for them. But uh, if Pittsburgh can win on Sunday, then uh, they're in a position to be playing for the ACC win. And a reminder, there's no ACC tournament in volleyball, so that will be for the regular season and conference title uh, between these two teams most likely. So it, it starts on Sunday. Uh, Pitt's a, a really good team, and, and Louisville's definitely got their work cut out for them. Jerry, you've had the opportunity to see this team live several times this year. Uh, you followed them as well on the internet like I have, and Kate says as well. If you're an opposing coach and you're coming in to play Louisville in the LFNC, how, how do you beat the cards? If you're an opposing coach, what do you tell your team? How do you strategize to set up your offense and, and your squad to, to take the cards down? Is, is it an impossible task? I mean, how do you do this? I wouldn't say it's an impossible task, uh, but a lot of teams, I think, have started finding a little more success when they're getting the U L attackers to go outside the block where they may uh, hit it out of bounds there along the, the sideline. Uh, it seemed to work for a couple teams when Uvell was on the road last weekend. 
uh, just kind of forcing those outside hits instead of giving UofL the entire middle of the floor to work with. Because once you do that, I mean, these UofL attackers are so incredibly accurate and can find those holes uh, when they're they're hitting that you're not going to be able to beat them that way. Uh, so I think that's going to be your, your biggest issue. But also, if you can find a way to work around the UofL blocking, which is extremely difficult to do, not only that they are tall and size and strong, but they've got quite a bit of quickness, which typically you don't see those combined with speed and uh, your blocking power, but UofL's managed to do that. But if you can get around the UofL blocking, you may be able to find some holes out there. Certainly something that we hope uh, Pitt cannot do. As Sunday, 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 as they like to say in the TV commercial, the big event taking place down on Floyd Street, the Cards versus the Panthers. Yeah, I want to point out one more thing just before we leave it. An amazing stat from last night's match between Pittsburgh and Notre Dame. You want to guess what the total number of blocks between those two teams was? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going to say around 30. Jared, any guess? I'm not going to go that high. I'll say about 22. 35 total blocks. Oh, wow. Notre Dame won the blocking battle 21 to 14, and Notre Dame did it with zero solo blocks. Holy cow. Wow. So uh, that's pretty massive. Um, Louisville's been a really good blocking team so far. If this shows anything, it shows that uh, Pitt is quite blockable. Um, they can get them. They can block their own. Uh, three solo blocks and 22 block assists for them. Um, but, yeah, it, 21 blocks uh, against this Pitt team. Uh, they only had nine unforced errors outside of those blocks, but ooh, 21 blocks is a lot of blocks. That's an amazing stat. <laughs> that's yeah, uh, I mean, over. That's uh, four and change per set uh, block. So that's uh, that's an opportunity for Louisville there for sure. Uh, uh, something that they've had an advantage in throughout the season is is their uh, blocking defense. And if if Pitt's going to be that blockable, Louisville's going to have a really good chance there. And let's really hope that the cards can play to that strength as well. Let's hope the deck can get done. But it uh, should be a good one. should be a good one. Make sure and check the Monday Cardinal Couple article where we'll have the write-up on that one for sure. Uh, I, I kind of want to uh, leave the LNFCU right now and, and head to the coaches on campus. And the reason I want to do that is we had some contract extensions. Yeah, you're really just going up the stairs a couple of floors to the athletics yeah, actually, offices. Actually, you are for a couple of the sports. Uh, Jeff Walls, of course, is uh, over at the, what I still refer to as the Little, <laughs> the little yum. yum. Over down on Floyd Street next to the lacrosse field, uh, of course. Uh, and then Holly April spends most of her time inside the actual SAC building, as I like to call it. But she does spend a lot of time in her office over at Ulmer Stadium. Danny, of course. Danny's everywhere. You can't keep up with Danny. She's, she's doing stuff here, then and there. She's probably driving to one of the campus, you know, shuttle buses when she's not practicing. No. Is Justine's office is hers in the Trigger Center? And and then Justine, well, Justine has got hers over, actually, yeah, in, in the Trigger Center, which which hooks up next to the Marshall Center, a weightlifting and a cardio facility, which is a to give you know those of you an idea who aren't familiar with the campus, it's a. a Actually, right when you get off I-65 next to Speedway. 
Justine can run over and get herself a big Slurpee. No, I'm just kidding. No, that, that's uh, one of the things that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, contract extensions, something that we certainly hoped would happen for the coaches involved. And Vince Tyree was pr- pleased to announce that, that he did in- include contract extensions for Jeff Walls, Justine Sari, and Holly April. Uh, Walls and Sari's deals run through the 2028 season. I think we lost Paul again there. But yes, uh, Jeff Walls and Justine Sari are both running through the 2028 season with Holly April's running through the 2026 season. Uh, I think you're at the point where you're trying to lock Jeff Walls in for the rest of his career, although I don't see him retiring in 2028 unless if we see two, three championships between now and then. Uh, he's still got a lot of uh, pep in his step, so we will probably see him through the mid-2030 decade before he decides to uh, to hang hang his jersey up for good. Justine Sari is another one that still has plenty of time left to go, so I think this is just an extension uh, due to the successful season she's had so far. little rare to see coaches in the, at the collegiate level get contract extensions while their regular season is still active. Uh, interesting that they didn't wait to see how they performed in the ACC and NCAA tournaments. Unless if there's the contract includes incentives for how well you do in some of the postseason, uh, which could be a possibility, and then Holly April, who should should have been closing in on her her original hiring contract, as she's been here for I believe uh, four years now. Since this would have been, yep. So this would have been her coming up her fifth season. Twenty twenty two would have been her fifth season with the Cards. So it was kind of due at that point to go on and look at reviewing that contract anyways instead of letting it expire. She's basically doing a full rebuild with a lot of players graduating, and she came in at a pretty difficult time uh, with the whole COVID situation as well. So you want to give her some time to allow that rebuild and see what they can do. Like you mentioned, incredibly rare to to get the regular season contract extension in in college. Um I don't think that Justine Sowery was in danger of not getting her contract extended based on <laughs> the end of this season, to be honest. Uh, she and Jeff Walls always fielding competitive teams every single year. Uh, those are two U of L teams that you can count on are going to compete for a championship. Uh, Louisville men's basketball has put together some teams that you're like, well, they could be good. Uh, football has shown some flashes. Um, other teams making runs. Uh, most notably volleyball, which I think we'll touch on in just a second. But field hockey and women's basketball are two teams that you go into every season saying, this is a team that is going to compete. Um, field hockey is knocking on the door. They made it as far as they've ever made it last season in the NCAA tournament. This is another great opportunity for them. Unfortunately, the Big Ten is very strong, <laughs> and Louisville is probably going to have to play at least one of the teams that they lost to this season uh, to make their way to a national championship. But Justine Sowery has been fantastic in leading this team uh, for over a decade now, I think. Um, Yeah, plenty more than a decade. And she's going to uh, be doing that for for quite some more time. I think, like you said, not this will not be her last contract extension, nor Jeff Walls's, hopefully, uh, for either of them as we move forward. And, And they'll both be knocking on the door for a championship. April, like you mentioned, two of her three previous seasons um, are COVID-impacted. This one may be to a certain extent, uh, but not nearly like the other two. So, uh, like you mentioned, this one's kind of 
uh, a wait and see deal. Um, didn't get a, a true fair idea of what her teams are going to look like through her first contract because of those two impacted years. But uh, we'll see a little bit shorter on her deal. So uh, that one will wrap in 2026. Uh, Louisville has pretty consistently even uh, with Drudge, but now definitely with Tyree shown that they don't like to get into contract years with coaches. Uh, so it would be before 2026 that they make a decision on her and then before 2028 uh, for the other two. And then the one that hasn't had a decision made uh, recently is Danny Busboom Kelly, who is followed up a, a great year last year uh, and a great year the year before with um, one of Louisville's best starts ever at 19-0 and and 9-0 and in the ACC. Um, she last had a contract change when she was extended after her first season at UofL. Um, no details on actually when her first contract was due to run out or when the extension was for that I've been able to find. So um, we'll see. I, I think that, like you mentioned, because it's so rare that vol- that these contracts happen in the middle of the regular season, uh, Louisville is just focusing. Uh, Danny Busboom Kelly is focusing on the season, and they'll probably have plenty of conversations uh, once we ring in 2022 and volleyball is completely wrapped up. Yeah, just wait and see what they do in the NCAA tournament. You know, if if they make, you know, only to like the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, you may not see as big of a contract extension or, or payday as if they were to either make it to the national championship game or win the national championship. So that's one of those things you want to wait out. And as of right now, UVO is one of the remaining two undefeated teams in all of Division One women's college volleyball alongside Texas, which would put them as one of the heavy favorites to win the championship so you, you hope to see that and uh, certainly would love to see dbk get a massive uh, contract increase if she can bring that championship in yeah so uh, that was kind of the last topic we have for today the last major bit of news um i know that we've got the uh, women's basketball tip-off luncheon is is next week so we'll have plenty of that to talk about uh, after the next week with basketball season just around the corner uh, but let's move into final thoughts. Jared, what do you have? Yeah, not much for me. Just It's crazy that fall sports are already at the, the point of winding down as women's soccer has their final home game this coming week. Uh, field hockey has their final home game coming this week. Men's soccer just had their final home game last night. And, and then we still see we'll see volleyball for about another month as they wrap up on Black Friday. But just crazy that fall sports are already over. Uh, yeah, definitely. It has uh, it has snuck up on us. As for me, uh, not a lot to say other than uh, go cards against Pittsburgh and, and go field hockey in, in, like we've mentioned, a trap game and in that big match against Syracuse uh, for the regular season decider. As for that, uh, we will see you all next week. I'm signing off for Polly and Jeff that we missed this week. Go cards. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. Music